Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So I think 2024 could shock everybody. What do I mean by that? Let's get right into this article from the Wall Street Journal. And then I want to go over to the Bureau of... What bureau is this? Let me shoot over there. The Bureau of Labor Statistics. Excuse me. And uh, then we're going to go to a couple other places and connect some dots. Now, if you saw the thumbnail... I don't, I'm not going to call for hyper deflation. I don't even know if that's a thing. But relative to people's expectations, I think we could have hyper deflation because the expectation, maybe not with everybody, but I think the vast majority of people, especially in the sound money space, you know, the gold, silver, Bitcoin space, they're expecting 10, 15% inflation. They're expecting a return to the 1970s. So if you're expecting a 15%, CPI year over year, but we get a negative three, that, that's, that's going to be putting the majority of the market participants off sides, to say the least. And I think that is going to be shocking to the point where you could probably call that hyper deflation, again, relative to expectations. So let's go to the Wall Street Journal, and then we're going to visit some charts. And I'll show you why this is my base case. And I know that's going to be very unpopular. And I know this is one of those videos where like, I'm going to get thumbs down and oh, George, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. No, no. You've been listening to Jeff Snyder too much. (laughs) All these things. But no, look, I'm just basing my opinion on the numbers, on the facts, on the data. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Title of this article in the Wall Street Journal. And I'll bet you didn't even know this. Prices fell in November for the first time since 2020. Inflation is approaching Fed target of 2%. Now, this article, I think, is also completely offsides from the standpoint of they're trying to argue how the Fed's incredible, how the Fed is amazing, that the Federal Reserve, every single one of those 900 PhDs are, they're like Wiley Coyote, genius. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I should start calling Jerome Powell from now on. Wild E. Coyote. Genius. But they're saying that, oh my gosh, the Fed is so amazing. Look at them. They've orchestrated this no landing. No one has been able to do this before. And look at all these numbers are showing us that the Fed is going to do it. They're going to pull it off. It's going to be incredible because they're going to start lowering interest rates. So unemployment's not going to go up. And inflation is just going to keep coming down and down and down and down. And it's going to stop. It's not going to go to 1.9%. Oh, no, no, no. It's not going to go to 2.1%. It's going to go to 2.0 exactly. Because that's how good the Fed is. I mean, it makes you sick to your stomach how these people in the mainstream media just gush over the Fed's brilliance when they've literally been wrong every single time. I mean, how many things did they get wrong? Hmm, subprime contained. Or remember Janet Yellen? Everyone forgets Janet Yellen was a Fed chair because now she's over at the Treasury. But how about Janet Yellen saying that we'd never, ever have a recession for the rest of our lives? Just not going to happen. Or remember her uh, saying <laughs> that going into 20 or uh, QT or whatever, it's going to be like watching paint dry, guys. I mean, <laughs> paint dry. We're never going to have a recession. <laughs> recession. And we got rid of those things. All of our models are so sophisticated right now. 
that we've completely eliminated the business cycle. It's, 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 and anyone that would tell you different is just fear mongering. This is them speaking, obviously, not George Gammon. I'm doing my best impression of Janet Yellen. But let's keep going uh, down here. And uh, you get the thrust of, <laughs> you get all my sarcasm. I think you could tell the thrust of this article. But what's more interesting is when I clicked this link because they're talking about how prices fell. And I know that the CPI didn't fall month over month. So I'm like, hmm, what, what were they talking about here? So they go right over to the Bureau of Economic, I believe Bureau of Economic Analysis. I always forget what this one stands for. This is the, yes, Bureau of Economic Analysis. Okay, here is a breakdown of their most recent report, kind of a, an executive summary. So we've got personal income. You can see the month over month numbers. And then right here, when we get to this specific price index, which is referencing the PCE, which is short for the uh, personal consumption expenditures. And this is what the Fed pays most attention to. Right here, we switch from month over month to year over year. I don't know if you guys can see the fine print, but I just wanted to highlight that before we get going. So we start with personal income, disposable income. They uh, adjust it for uh, $2,017, basically adjusted for inflation. And then we get down to the personal consumption expenditures. Now, what this is, is a gross number. So just because we have a point to increase month over month doesn't necessarily mean that prices went up. It's just, it just means that more stuff was sold or more goods were sold. So then what you have to do is you have to adjust for inflation. And that's why they're, you know, with this negative one, that's how they're coming to a, a real number of 0.3 instead of 0.2. Because you start with 0.2 nominal, then you add the 0.1 for the supposed decrease in prices. And that's how you get to that inflation adjusted number of 0.3. And again, remember guys, this is uh, month over month. And this is not the CPI, the headline number. This is the PCE, which just as a reminder here is uh, personal consumption expenditures. So we've got this, uh, is ex and then we've got one excluding food and energy. So what I want to focus on is the price index. So this doesn't tell us like an aggregate sum of all the goods and services that were purchased. What this does is it actually tries to measure the price increase or decrease, because obviously that's a separate cal calculation. So what it's telling us, and I know these numbers are fudged and I know they're way too low, but it's, it's really kind of rate of change and trend that we're looking for here. They're saying that the, the last data set they have the most recent data they have. We've gone down month over month, 0.1. So a negative 0.1. First time we've seen this since 2020. Now, I know many of you are saying, George, okay, so what? It's one month. Who cares? Year over year, prices are still going up. Totally agree. Totally agree. In fact, right here, this PCE is up year over year 2.6%. And again, I, I would totally agree with the argument that this way understates inflation. I get it. But when we have inflation go from 9%, and now I'm talking about headline CPI, 9% all the way down to 3%, I don't think we actually went from 9% to 3%. I think we probably went from 15%, let's say down to 6% or something like that. But what we're doing is we're just looking for the trend. We're not actually saying 
that, or at least I'm not actually saying that the inflation rate in the United States, if it were calculated correctly, is 3% or 3.1%, or nor would I say that the PCA, the PCE index, if calculated correctly, is 2.6%. We're just looking for that trend. Is the trend going up? Is the trend going down? Or is it flatlining? So we can see that right now, the trend is definitely going down. Now, I want to go over to another chart. And first of all, I want to kind of debunk this Wall Street Journal article. And then I want to get into some more inflation deflation stuff to try to think through what's the most probable outcome for 2024. So this is month over month uh, changes to the PCE price index. Not necessarily the PCE, or we uh, we differentiated between the two uh, when we went to that when we started with this summary. So again, this is the price index. I want to be super clear here, guys. And this is the PCE. So this is the aggregate total of the stuff that was purchased. This is the increase in price. So you could have prices going down, but you could have the amount of stuff going up. So this would still be a positive number. That's why we've got to differentiate between the two. Okay. So now let's get over to this. Uh, this is the monthly change in the index. Now you see it's like a heartbeat here. Look at this up, down, up, down. I assume the reason it's like this is like seasonally stuff. I'll bet you that in like November, December, prices probably go up for the holidays. And then January, they probably go right down. So this is not seasonably uh, or seasonally adjusted, excuse me. Uh, so if you did that, I'm sure it would smooth it out. But th that's not what's important. What's really important is to see right here, we have gone negative. Now, we've gone negative before. Absolutely. But I don't know that we've gone negative during the holidays. Like this might be an anomaly. The only other time I can see a significant anomaly here is during the GFC. And it went down, but we didn't get this heartbeat type of action. So it went down, it came up, but then it went right back down. And so... On net balance, you would have a decline. We're on net balance like with this. It's just, it pretty much goes down by the same amount that it goes up. So it's kind of a wash, right? But with this, it goes down, goes up, then goes right back down. So the net difference is a decline in prices. A lot of people forget that in 2009, we actually had deflation. We had deflation. Uh, I'm not making that up. You can look at a chart, 2009, I believe it was Q2. Not disinflation, deflation. Not just with asset prices, but with prices in general. And that makes sense because we were in the middle of the GFC, the global financial crisis. I'm sure many of you lived through it. So it comes as no surprise that prices went down at the beginning of 2009. In fact, if, if, if they did anything else but go down, I think that's what would really be a surprise. So my rebuttal to the Wall Street Journal, Journal article is be careful what you wish for. Right, guys? They're assuming that prices are coming down because of the Fed's brilliance. What they're completely ignoring is the giant elephant in the room that is sitting there looking at them saying, uh, yeah, no, prices aren't coming down because of the Fed's brilliance. Prices are coming down because we are going into an economic recession, if not worse, because you could have said the exact same thing prior to the GFC. I mean, look right here. You could have been, oh my gosh, look at this, 2007. The Fed is amazing. They're going to pull it off. They're bringing inflation down to the Fed's 2% uh, target. 
and they're going to be able to lower rates. The stock market's going to rip. It's exact same story back in 2007 and the beginning of 2008. But look what happened. Lower prices was not a result of the Fed's brilliance. It was because we were on the cusp of the entire global monetary system going into a meltdown. So not something we should really look forward to or be excited about. <laughs> That's number one for the Wall Street Journal. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Number two, now we're at CPI year over year where you guys can see that in July of 2009, so I was a little, I said Q2, so we're slightly off on the, uh, on the timing there, but that really doesn't make too much of a difference. Year over year, we were at 2.1%, negative, negative, 2.1%. And even if you want to argue that this is a fudge number, that's fine. Look at, look at the, the trend here. Look at what it did. It went from 5.6 down to 2.1, negative 2.1. And I'd also like to remind everybody that in the 1940s, from 47 to 49, we went from 19% down to negative two, almost negative three, pretty much the exact same number. Actually, a little more extreme on the downside. Obviously, way more extreme on the upside. But on the downside, uh, it was even, I think it was right 2.9, 2.8, something like that. So this just goes to show you that even with all of the, the quote-unquote money printing and M2 money supply, all these things, if we have a bad enough recession, prices will likely go down. Now you say, George, what about the 1970s? What about the 1970s? Yes, granted. But M2 was going up. And not only was M2 going up, but it was a result of the bank's lending. The big, big difference. Where in 2021 or 2020, 2021, it was a result of the Fed going out and buying treasuries. That, that's a big difference because now all of a sudden you're just replacing savings with a treasury, right? Or, or you're just replacing a treasury with savings. It's still low velocity. Now, if a bank is lending money into existence, now all of a sudden they're not borrowing to put that money in a savings account the uh, non-bank entities are borrowing that money to spend it. So you have higher velocity. That's one of the many reasons why you've got to look at M2 going up or down. You got to look at the nuance. It's the devil is in the details. Okay, so this shows you that if we have a recession, that it's very possible, we've seen it in the past, in the very recent past, that we could have actual deflation. And I want to point out, 
that during this time frame, M2 money supply was not, I repeat, not going down. In fact, let's go over to M2 money supply and let's uh, zoom in a little bit here on the GFC and look at this. This is the GFC. We have M2 still, now it flattens out a little bit, that's for sure, but it doesn't decline. It doesn't decline. And if we look at the year-over-year numbers, what you'll see, and, and actually we had, this is a much more significant increase right here than the chart shows us because it's not a log chart. So let me do this. Here you go. So at the beginning of the GFC, M2 money supply was right around 7.5 trillion. At the end, <laughs> 8.5. So for, let me repeat that because I think this would shock most people. From the beginning of the GFC to the end, and mind you, right here where my pointer is right now, where we had an increase of M2 by a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars, what type of percentage changed that? Massive. We had almost, well, we had over 2%, so 2.1% deflation, deflation. So it's not like we have to have the money supply go down to actually have deflation. In fact, and I remember this right off the top of my head, in a whiteboard video the other day, I looked at the the just the year-over-year year stuff, so not in this index format, but just comparing from one year to the next. And I believe in 2009, 2010, the uh, M2 money supply went up by 10% just year-over-year. Year. 10%, yet we had 2% deflation with a D. So you guys get my point. Now let's move over to current... CPI, and this is month over month. And right now, current CPI month over month is 0.1%. In October, it was 0%. So no change at all. But what's interesting is if you just annualize this. So let's just look at the last six months. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. So we've got a 0 0.2, 0 0.2. So say we're at 0.4. And I, I think they do some adjustments. So this isn't exact. Uh, math here, but it, it's close enough. Good enough for who it's for. <laughs> so we've got a 0 0.2, 0 0.2, 0 0.4, 0 0.6. So now we're at 1%. We've got a 0.4 and a 0.1. So we're basically at 1.5% right here. So 1.5%, if we double that, now we're at three. Okay. So that's would be 3% year over year. So down slightly. But now let's think about it in terms of a recession. If we have a hard landing, which I think most of you would agree uh, with me is kind of a base case scenario, you don't think that this will come down from 3%. By the way, in fact, prior to the GFC, the CPI, headline CPI, year over year, was 4.3%. 4.3. What is it now? 3.1. 3.1. So my point is we started off at 4.3, and we went all the way down to negative two. So if our starting point now is 3%, why on earth wouldn't we go down to negative two again or negative three? I think that's my base case. Why wouldn't? It, why would it be any different than the GFC? Now, the argument that I'm going to have is that, George, George, what are you thinking? No, 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 no. Because the Fed's going to come out and print all this money, and the government's going to do stimmy checks, and we're going to have a CARES Act 2.0, and the, the deficits are going to explode. They're going to go to $10 trillion a year. The Fed's balance sheet is going to go to $20 trillion and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I totally get it. I, I, I get it. And I would agree with you. 
that that would add a tailwind to inflation. But that's after. That's after. They're not going to do that before the stuff hits the fan. I think we can all agree on that. So I'm not saying that the entire year of 2024 is going to be deflationary. That is not what I am saying. And most of pe- most people just listen to my base case and they think that, oh, well, George is in the deflation camp. He believes we're going to have deflation for the next 100 years. No, not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I think we will likely have a quarter of actual deflation. It could go negative two, negative three, which would be the opposite of everyone's expectations. When the stuff hits the fan, which would precede whatever it is the central planners do that would most likely trigger the next wave of consumer price inflation. But most people, they just think in, 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 in binary terms. It's just black and white. Either you believe inflate. Now, if you believe that this decade is going to be inflationary, then you have to believe that prices are just going to go up, 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 up in a linear fashion in straight line, up, 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 up like this. And if you're in the deflation camp, then you believe that same thing, linear terms, but we're never going to have this. We're just going to have down all the way down, 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 down. And we're going to keep going down, 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 down forever. The main point here that I'm trying to make that I'd like you guys to think through is realize that over the 2020s and within each year, we very well could have both or we could have all three where we have inflation, disinflation, and outright deflation. It's just a matter of timing and it's a matter of when. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.